It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today the Adam Ritz Show is on campus in Dallas, Texas. We're at Southern Methodist University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. Thank you for the welcome. We travel the country to cover student leadership and charities and philanthropy. There's a lot of college kids out there that get involved with their communities to make this uh, world a better place. And that's why we're here at SMU to talk about what the IFC, the fraternities, the Greek life is doing to make uh, Dallas a better place. We welcome to the show Connor. Hi, Connor. How are you? Pretty good. How about yourself, I'm Doing fantastic. What's your last name? Angle. Connor Angle, and uh, your fraternity is? Uh, Phi Gamma Delta. Phi Gamma Delta, affectionately known as Fiji. So Connor's joining us to talk about, uh, I have no idea, uh, you raise money, awareness for who? Uh, so at the end of last semester, we always, uh, for the last 15 years, IFC has been a big contributor and, and volunteers for the North Texas Special Olympics Volleyball Tournament. Uh, it's held right here on campus in the Deadman uh, Gym. So basically, we kind of do the behind-the-scenes works. So we uh, get T-shirts for all the athletes, get them lunch, serve them lunch, help out, just kind of cheer on the sidelines. Um, they enjoy it. They love having more people there just watching them. It's the greatest day of their life, basically, is, is going there. It's like their Olympics, so they love it. Um, we get to introduce them. They do a little, uh, little parade for them. And, and, and they have an awesome time, and it's, it's awesome for us to get to experience that. And um, So, yeah, we did that in the last semester. It's pretty fun to work with Special Olympics, the Special Olympians, they, uh, to see the look on their face. It just it makes your heart feel so good. Um, how, how did that feel with your guys when you get to work with the Special uh, Olympians? Uh, well, it, for us, it was, it was an awesome day. I mean, we stayed probably three hours longer than they needed us just because it was kind of great for us to stand there and, and talk to all the athletes. There was a kid um, that all of us kind of were talking to the entire time. He was like a little hype man. He was just coming around being like, you're the best. Like, you're the best person here. Like, love you guys. And we were like, we should hire this kid. Bring him on campus. He would double our, our numbers for our fraternity, I guarantee. Is there a uh, Facebook page or any sort of social account that we can follow some of this stuff? Uh, I'm sure there is. Um, I, I think there is a Facebook page that, we, that, uh, that they run that you guys could look up if you wanted to. Um, Okay, SMU, IFC, Special Olympics. Mm-hmm. Google that and you'll find it. Exactly. Uh, Connor, thanks for getting involved in Dallas, making this place, uh, this world a better place. Uh, college kids, they're not just partying. They're getting involved with philanthropy and charity. And Connor, we thank you so much for coming on to explain. Yeah, thank you, Adam. And let's give uh, everybody here one more round of applause. Southern Methodist University, thanks for hosting the Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. We love introducing uh, this next guest. He's been a a fixture of this show. He's provided reports for us from his home market in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, Now we catch up with him live and in person at the NFL Combine. This is Lowell Whiteman. Hi, Lowell. How are you? 
Hey, good to see you, Adam. It's fantastic to have you in person. Uh, usually we get you on the phone or maybe some of your reports that you give to us that we are on the show, and now I've got you standing right in front of me. Mm. And we're talking uh, NFL Combine. We're talking preparing for the next level. Uh, and what does that mean from your desk as sports psychologist? How do you help these guys prepare for the NFL or for whatever's next? Well, you know, one would think off the bat that a college player has had already experienced the, the excitement of big events and big arenas, and they have to a certain degree, but the combine brings a different environment, an environment that the degree of stimulus has been amped up. Now there's more cameras, more reporters, bigger arenas, and everybody is just as good as you are. There's very little difference in the performance uh, separations. So the environment changes, and that's usually the first place we look to investigate what's going to influence and impact that athlete. How has the environment changed? And those are the couple of the elements that have changed. The quality of the athlete and the degree of their experience is the same on every level, so they've got that competitive pressure. The environment of who's in the environment, you know, the, it's the shiny things. <laughs> There's a lot of shiny things. Yeah. They can be very distracting. And now, Everybody wants to get the attention of these athletes. So you've got the Nikes and the Adidas and the Under Armors that are here, and they're showing them free things. The swag bags get very, very big. It's like going to a bowl game every day now for a week. So there's a lot of distractions, and it's, it's sometimes very hard for a young man to turn that off because it's very attractive. But the ultimate bottom line is they have to perform. So... What part of the, I guess, day, you know, I'm sure they have uh, interviews with NFL executives, they have um, actual physical contests where they have to lift weights and the bench press, 225, max that out as many times as they can, and the shuttle run and the 40-yard dash. What part of the day do you meet with them, and then what do you talk about to mentally prepare them for those exact competitions and for after the competition, like you said, when they have to deal with media or just the attention. Yeah, and, and that's exactly the thoughts that go through the athlete's mind. You know, it's what, where am I going, what am I doing, and how am I going to get prepared for it? And the preparation for me starts before they get into it. So it's a mindset to define for them in their head a vision of what this looks like so that they have a picture of, okay, I'm going to stay away from that, I'm going to really focus my attention on this. And on the physical side of things, that's probably the easiest part of their whole journey here because they've done that before. They've ran a 40. They've done a bench press. They've done a shuttle run. They've done a vertical jump. They've caught passes. And all of that's not, not unfamiliar to them. What they haven't done before is wore the same uniform, quality equipment. Oh, this is really cool stuff. So we have to get in their heads that that's just like the shorts they got issued when they were in college. Yeah, it's, it's neater and it's cooler and it's more fun, but you've got to focus on that. You've got to tell mom and dad to stop calling and texting you and wondering, <laughs> what did you get in that bag? Because it just reminds you again what the distraction is. Or dad looking at Twitter and saying, oh, they're now raising you up to be, be a draftable in the second round instead of the sixth. None of that. Shut your phone off. Bed down, gets yourself squared away, because guess what? At 4 o'clock in the morning, you have to get up to go get your arm pricked and a blood test and a urine sample. They do it that early in the morning, and then things progress from there. And they may not get to bed until 9 o'clock. That's different than they've ever had anything processed before. It's always been in chunks, and somebody's always been there to tell them what to do and when to do it. So my job is to remind them, you're going to get an agenda, you're going to get a schedule, pay attention to it, because nobody's going to shake you and, and, and get you out of bed or do the 
the uh, call to the front desk to give you a wake-up call. It's not going to happen. You have to do that on your own. So there's, there's more of the prep time ahead of the event than, than during it or in it. So when I go to the, the arena to watch them perform, it's truly just to watch. So that when I see what I see there, I'll then talk to them about that and get them to the, the support that they have here at the Combine. The Combine does a great job of bringing trainers and organizations here to help them with stretching, massages, uh, nutritional things for supplements that, that they can go to and get that taken care of without any, any problems, a lot like what they had at college. But now they have to find out where that is. So they have to be self-sufficient, organized. There's self-efficacy issues, uh, positive self-talk. We talk about that. Uh, but now they're in control of it. They, they are this, the chairman of their own company. Yeah. And whereas before that, they were just the kind of the worker bee that got prompted every time they needed to come out and make honey. <laughs> I love that analogy. Lowell Whiteman is our guest, sports psychologist. Uh, and did I get that right? How yeah, would you describe it? psychology-based, a mental conditioning coach, a mindset manager. There you go. Mindset. More, more proactive than reactive. Okay. And you are, uh, your company's called 360 Mindset. Yep. Uh, you can check that out on Twitter. By the way, I follow you, 360 Mindset. Uh, you were telling me about uh, a big-time media celebrity interview that you did for USA Today. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was written by a wonderful young lady, uh, Lindsay Jones. She's a USA Today uh, sports writer for the NFL Beat out of Denver. And she, like you we're talking about here, wanted to know about how do we prepare college athletes for that NFL leap and moving to the next level. And we've been fortunate enough to, out in Colorado to have a great athlete. They're all great athletes, but one in particular was our quarterback, Garrett Grayson, uh, coming here. Uh, he threw a new twist to us and getting prepared. He tweaked his hamstring before he came out. So he had some changes in his mind about his uh, combine uh, session, but that was kind of a good thing because he didn't have the pressure of the physical contest. He could just focus on the, the mental game of the interview and smiling and doing, the, doing his thing, and he's really good at that. Uh, so that took some pressure off of him. But then we have all the rest of the athletes here. We had five in total. So Lindsay uh, captured those thoughts and how the differences are. Each athlete needs to be treated differently, but also the NFL's perspective and how they support these athletes in getting them here. A lot of guidance goes into the training of them when they're on, on campus here. It's, it's really, it is the largest interview, professional interview in the world. Over 300 profe potentially professional athletes coming to one place. And I ask people, have you ever had to run the 40-yard dash to get your job? These guys are running their 40-yard dash to get a job. Yeah. Now, a well-paying job, mind you, but that's what they're doing. I challenge anybody to have to go through that kind of arduous process to get their career started. Garrett Grayson, you mentioned a uh, three-year starter at Colorado State, and that's uh, a lot of the athletes you work with go to Colorado State, your home base in Boulder, Colorado, I believe. Um, Lowell Whiteman is our guest, and I like to compare sports to real life on this social awareness radio show. So you work with athletes to get them in the proper mindset to be successful on and off the field. Um, let me just ask you for some advice on how you would share some of that same advice to a non-athlete to be productive in or out of the office. Well, it's, it's interesting the way you put the question because it, it comes back again to environment. So whether it's a, an arena you go to that you've never been to, the environment changed, or it's a corporate 
building or it's, it's a, a field. Uh, you go out into the field and have to sell, perhaps, or, or, or manufacture something. You're, you're, the environment changes. So how well prepared are you for absorbing all of the different things that are going to come at you, both people and things, and put them into your frame of reference to understand how am I going to deal with them? How am I going to respond to them? In athletics, we call it adapt, adjust, and overcome. Well, you can do the same thing in the corporate world or in being a mother or a father or a grandparent. It's, it's performing at whatever level you're performing. Consider your environment first and make sure that you're able to absorb it at the speed that you feel comfortable. So there's all those five senses you've got to use them and absorb that environment and understand it. The second thing that I tell people a lot as it relates to just any particular performance issue is, is make sure you're in complete and, and, and understand control of what you can do. You know, uh, for me lately, walking has been a challenge. <laughs> so I've got to be aware of how I walk because I, okay. I kind of bummed up a little knee there. So it's being aware of what you're in control of and feeling good about that. So and you're not going to be running a 40-yard dash for a job, are you? No, I'm not. I, I'll refuse that job if they ask me to do that. <laughs> I'll go to another potential job. Uh, but it's, it's being aware of what the skills you have. Because many people in the, in the work world, they push themselves into an area that, that's beyond their comfort zone. And I, I'm not going to say you shouldn't challenge yourself, but right. when you're trying to perform a particular task in an environment that you've not been to before, you want to really get control of what you know is you and what you're good at and, and move through that environment with those skills in mind. Um, it, the, the third thing that I, I ask people to do quite a bit is look for those who complement your weaknesses and surround yourself with those people. So whether you're a boss or a colleague or a worker, um, when you're in that environment around those people, identify those people and things that support what you're not the best at. So now when you do that and you, you're aware of who you are and what your skills are in that environment, now you're pretty well prepared to maneuver in that environment because you've got some support. Now that's very simplified uh, process of, of task, accomplishing a task, but it's the three pieces of a foundation that will get you started in a way that will probably yield pretty good success and comfortably. You're not going to be overly stressed with it. Now you throw things into the mix where you get some stressors, some pressures, some competition. We've got other uh, pieces that we can add to the equation. But that's, that's the first place I start in those three areas, whether it's an athlete or a corporate executive. We're talking sports psychology, mental conditioning with expert Lowell Whiteman. Um, here's, I guess, a moral obligation question I have for you. Do you have uh, the moral obligation to tell a client that you can tell doesn't have it in him or her to be, I guess, I don't want to say successful at the job or task or position or ath athletic competition that they're supposed to be doing, or do you just push through and do your best to try to get them to do their best? Do you ever speak up and say, God, I hate to, I hate to put it this way, but let me dumb it down for me. Mm -hmm. Do you ever speak up and say, I can't work with this person. They don't get it. They'll never get it. And if they did get it, they still wouldn't get it. Well, I can't say that I've never been faced with that because ultimately that's the extreme side of things. Where, So I have to say yes. I've had, a situ I've had situations where I've had to walk away. I've had to back away. Now, it wasn't without some effort to try to strive to get them to improve or, or realize their potential. But at, at some point, under certain circumstances, we, we just weren't getting anywhere with it. And regretfully, we had to separate. We had to part. Um, now, I've also parted ways with, with clients where we've gotten as much as we can get. But that's a mutual understanding. We both were working together. Mm -hmm. The end was 
clearly realized, very concrete, and there was no question in either one of our minds how much further we could go. <laughs> we, were, we were at the end. But in either case, there's a dialogue that goes on between uh, myself and a client about the awareness to skill level. Now, I go in with an assessment up front to understand who are you right now, which identifies gaps and needs that they might have. And, and then we go out and look for those resources to fulfill supporting those, those gaps and needs and improving in the areas of skill that need improving. But everybody's got different degrees of attainment of that. Um, now, given the fact that many executives I deal with think they have a very high <laughs> level of success, um, they don't always because the results they're looking for, they don't get. So it's very obvious. So I try to set up a foundation where we define the gaps, we look at the potentials, we bring resources to play, and yet in that process I say, look it, there's the clarity of the path. If you don't get there, it's not because I held you back. Mm -hmm. It's because you put out a good effort and you got where you could get. And there was a, a, there's a distance between where you started and where you ended up at. So we still have improvement. Always trying to make it positive, trying to keep it on a positive end. But the reality is everybody has their own level of tolerance and um, level of success. Well, you mentioned the level of success, which leads me right into my next question. Corporations are looking at the bottom line. They're looking at the dollar. Uh, athletics, the world of sport is looking at wins versus losses. Uh, it's probably deeper than that for you. How do you view success outside of the money, the dollar signs, the wins, the losses? Well, it's a great question for me because I'm, I'm constantly faced with different definitions and degrees of success based on the individual or the situation yeah, or the team. I, I got to believe you have a, an enormous success with a young man who's on a losing team, but then you might also have a client who you're not really happy at the direction it's going, but they are winning. So for you, it's got to be a little different for that level of success. Yeah, and quite honestly, what I, what I do in every situation, regardless of the talent of the individual or the team, is define success based on potentials. So I, I'll, if, if I have three people in front of me, I'm going to do an upfront understanding of who are you right now. And that begins to define what the potential looks like. Where can we go from this? Um, in, when I was in education, it was we had really super A students, and then we had the average and the below average students. Now, people would say with the really high achievers, oh, you're not going to have it. They're already where they're at. That was it. I would always disagree. There's always potential. There's yeah. always more that we can gain. But it's a matter of not me deciding it. It's a matter of me showing the potential. So I define success as where are we at and where do you want to go? And that just begins to define a path of, of trying to strive for that. So that, that where we want to go and the amount of it is different for everybody. And my job is usually to say, if it's a small gap of difference, I'm not going to tell them it's a small gap. It's a difference. You have some place to go. You have some place to strive for. So we, we, I define success as the potential to go to another level of experience. Lowell Whiteman is our guest, sports psychology and uh, mental conditioning, and we love talking to you to get your insights on uh, how to be more productive, not only uh, on the field but in society, your job as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a daughter. Um, when you talk about success, I uh, hate to put you on the spot, uh, and you don't have to use a real name, but can you think of the last 12 months since I've had you on the show last uh, and give me a success story that's come out of your, uh, from underneath your wing? Yeah, it's... Uh... 
you know, it's one of the one of the individuals, and I don't have a problem using the name at all because it goes back a few years, um, and he's regretfully he's not able to perform it at his best uh, at the combine. But Garrett Grayson has has come a long way, and not just as a as an athlete, a quarterback. Um, he has. Two years ago, he and I started a strategy based on the assessment I did of him and what his needs were. But we were already four games into the season, and uh, we were playing Tulsa uh, as the next game. And it was an away game. And the, 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 the four prior games, he had a grand total of about 650 yards of total offense for a quarterback. Not very good for four games in. Uh -huh. um, at that point, from there to the end of the season, which was nine more games, he ended up the season with over 3,600 yards of total offense. So that was a major change. Yeah. He had to accept what I asked him to do, which was a change for him. So it was a, a big shift in his way of thinking um, and things that he was not very comfortable with. But he started seeing results, started seeing the gap and identifying how he could get there. And then we started the second year with the same processes. But we started adding more because there was more potential there with the strategies we were using. He ended up this last season in his second bowl game, uh, the captain of a 10-3 and three season. Um, uh, the year before, we'd won a bowl game, which nobody thought we would win. Um, and this, this year, he got over 4,000 yards of total offense. So he improved. And just from a football fan perspective, I advise our listeners to check out Garrett Grayson, Colorado State, Washington State, that bowl game is one of the most classic bowl games in the history of college football. Uh, and I get chills just thinking about... Were you there? Oh, yeah. Every game I'm on the sidelines watching. And, and it was not only rewarding in the win and how they came back to win, but on the sidelines listening to the conversations of the kids talking about what they were going to do, how they were going to do it. I had defensive players actually standing next to me predicting that their teammate was going to create the fumble. And that was that 2013 or 12 or 2013, right? 2013. The, the 2013 um, New Mexico Bowl game. New Mexico Bowl, Washington State, Colorado State. I'm telling you, Google it, YouTube it. The whole I bet the whole game's on YouTube. Oh yeah. You were there, oh, and yeah. just to, for our listeners to recap, I, I'm smiling now because I'm just such a football fan. Uh, like Colorado State was like down 20 points with four minutes left or something. Yeah, we and we were down 15 with less than three minutes to go, okay. and we had to not only come back and tie the game to go to an OT situation, but we had to do a two-point conversion to get the tie, which we did on a Statue of Liberty play, <laughs> which <laughs> that's not seen very often in this no. day and age. And it's a dramatic photograph. I have it in my archive of photographs of the player that, that scored the, the, that uh, go-ahead or that tying uh, two-point conversion. Uh, and then uh, in the very next kickoff, the same guy that created the fumble to give us the ball so we could tie the game created another fumble. And that was at, uh, I don't know, the 27-yard line or something. And then Jared Roberts, who's also here at the Combine as a place kicker, came in and, and, and kicked the winning field goal uh, based on the fumble that we created on the kickoff. Uh, and Jared, interesting, I tell this to people all the time, Jared was the first person to the line of scrimmage to go out and kick the ball. That's how confident he was about kicking a 40-plus yard field goal to win the game, 
which is well within his wheelhouse. Yeah, beautiful. Against a Pac-12 team. Oh, I mean, it was, it was awesome. exciting. I remember sitting on my couch watching that game, and it was all because of Lowell Whiteman <laughs> yeah, and the sports psychology and mental conditioning you do with the Colorado I, State Rams. I was a contributor. There was a lot of different pieces, <laughs> and the kids were the ones that took control of it. It was awesome. Well, we love having you on the show. We encourage you to do some more reports for us in the future, and when I see you face-to-face, we'll bring you back on live. Again, your Twitter is 360Mindset. Uh, Coach LKW on Twitter, at Coach LKW. But oh, I'm sorry. But, but it'll the, come up 360 your, Mindset. Your, your little pick, uh, twit picker, yeah. twi- uh, pick Twitter is, yeah. uh, is a 360 Mindset logo. Again, so your, your actual at name is? Coach LKW. Coach LKW on Twitter. Lowell, yeah. pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Adam. Good to see you. This is Jenny Anchondo from Fox 4 Dallas, and you're listening to The Adam Rich Show. And welcome back to the broadcast. We thank you for joining us. I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan, on the campus of Western Michigan University, and I'm pleased to introduce our next guest. He is P.J. Fleck, the head coach of the Western Michigan University Bronco football team. Hi, P.J., how are you? I'm doing well, Adam. Thank you. Uh, I hear uh, the youngest coach in America, Division One college football. How's that all feel? I'm proud of that. I definitely am. I, I, like I said, I've, I've had a ton of experiences, and uh, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little different when people say you're the youngest head football coach in the country. But when you look back on all the experiences that I've had, you know, we've had uh, we've moved seven times in eight years, so I've had a ton of experiences packed into a small career. Well, your experience, you mentioned uh, you just came from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, wide receiver coach with the Bucs in the NFL. And i got to believe that makes your job easier recruiting with um, high school kids because you're young. They can relate to you. You've got the NFL um, experience that really kind of – that's a wow factor for a 17-year-old to hear. Am I right? Oh, you are. It is. And any time a 17-year-old kid looks at you know, playing football, I mean, his ultimate goal, if he truly loves the game, is to play at the ultimate level, and that's the National Football League. And any time that you can share an experience uh, with them, not only you know being a player in it when I played for the 49ers, but now also coaching in it from different aspects, one, you give them the opportunity to look at it from a player's point of view, and they know that their head coach has played in the National football league but now you look at it from a coaching point of view so you get the whole flip side of what coaches look like Mm -hmm. and coaches look for in the national football league so you're able to share those types of experiences with the young people and and um, you know try to get them to their goal pj flack is our guest head coach western michigan university football a homecoming of sorts you played uh, collegiately at northern illinois is that right interconference the mid-american conference the mac absolutely the mid-american conference one of the best conferences in college football i truly believe that it's one of the uh, most competitive uh, conferences in all of college football uh, and I, I absolutely love the conference i played in it i've coached in it uh, and now I'm back as a head football coach at a different school, which is now my, uh, my alma mater is now a rival. But uh, didn't know if it would always pan out that way. But uh, I'm really proud to be a Bronco. Now what do your old buddies from the Huskies think about that? Well, I tell you what, they are, they are fans of me. I can promise you that. So they want, uh, they want victories 364 days out of the year. Uh, but when we come to uh, DeKalb, Illinois, I think they're – Split, but they say they're split, but I think they're more 60-40, 70-30, more of uh, Northern Illinois. So uh, we actually play out there in DeKalb this year, which will be a great challenge for our football team. And Northern Illinois has got a great football team, and uh, Rod Carey does a great job. And, and, uh, but I know our, our team will be uh, ready for that challenge. Well, that's great. I want to talk about uh, some of the causes you work with. I saw recently 
uh, through a national publication. I think it was um, sportsillustrated.com possibly. Uh, I wasn't even really uh, looking for this. It just popped up on my research, the video of you in the uh, polar plunge, which is, you know, a lot of people know about a polar plunge. You, you assume you just jump in some cold water and, and it's for charity. Tell us how you got involved with this polar plunge. Uh, was it here on campus? Um, and tell us how your wife got involved with this too. <laughs> well, my wife and I have always been involved with, with, with different charities. We haven't just been involved with just one. Uh, ever since uh, we had a chance to play in the National Football League, that gave us an opportunity to branch out to a lot. We used to run our own football camp, and all the proceeds went to five or six different charities, and we did that every year. But then when you become a college coach, it all gets – um, depending, you have to be able to have an own charity within your own state that you work in. And, you know, being a college coach, you travel all over the country. So we had to cancel that. But we've always been since then really involved with other charities. And anytime a charity comes up, my wife and I are more willing to do anything. And obviously proving that we're willing to jump into a frozen pond here on campus with a hole cut out of it and uh, stand there on the sideline waiting there for an 18-degree temperature with about a 25-mile-an-hour wind. Uh, me with my shirt off, waiting there in my shorts for about 10 minutes until the firefighters finally tell you, yeah, it's safe to come in the water, but careful where you step because the ice isn't necessarily solid in different places. But I'm not really sure how she got drug into it, but um, when you get in this coaching profession, it's a we profession in terms of it's your wife and you. It's not just yeah. me anymore. I mean, everything we do, we do together. And um, that means jumping into a frozen lake two months after she gave birth. That that was I was going to bring that up. So she's just had a baby and she's jumping. Is that what the doctor say? Is that okay? I guess it's fine. She did it and she's willing to check with the doctor. She's one that does everything where she checks with the doctor before she does it, and uh, it seemed to be a thing that would be okay. And, and she took the plunge, and they actually say it's pretty healthy. So they actually say swimming in like really really cold water uh, is actually stimulating for your body and, and keeps you young. When you hit the water, was it colder than you thought it was going to be? One hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I, I've been in cold tubs sure. as a player. You, you go up neck deep into cold tubs, but a frozen lake is a, a lot colder for some reason um, than, you know, rehabbing after you just get <laughs> beat up for 80 plays in a football game. And uh, what was the charity that be benefited from this particular polar plunge? Uh, that was Special Olympics. Okay. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. We appreciate your community service. I'm sure it was a great way to introduce you as the new coach on campus. Uh, it was a lot of, there's a lot of excitement here. I can feel it. I'm happy to have you on the show. P.J. Fleck, best of luck here at Western Michigan University. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, we have a saying here at Western Michigan called Row the Boat. So uh, everybody out there uh, in Bronco Nation, uh, just keep rowing the boat. Thanks. Thanks again, P.J. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Adam Ritz. And on Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.